0: The Northern New Jersey Traumatic Brain Injury Model System proudly presents Moving Forward, Personal Perspectives on Life After Brain Injury, a virtual speaker series for individuals with brain injury, family members, and friends. Sponsored by Kessler Foundation and Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation.
1: This series is sponsored by the Kessler Foundation as part of our TBI Model Systems Grant which is funded by the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living and Rehabilitation Research. Michael Greenwald has been an integral part of the Brain Injury Alliance of New Jersey since 1992. A retired teacher, Mr. Greenwald currently serves as an officer on the Alliance's Board of Trustees. He has been a support group leader for over 25 years and was a strong force in establishing the Council for the Head Injured Community, now known as Voices Advancing the Brain Injury Community. Voices' mission is to champion and publicize the advocacy, rights, and needs of people who have survived a brain injury. Mr. Greenwald is the co-creator of Mike at the Mic, a panel discussion of topics related to brain injury that has become one of the signature events at the Alliance's annual seminar. It's now my pleasure to introduce Mike Greenwald.
2: Good afternoon, everybody. Today, Mike at the Mic will examine the relationship between brain injury and a topic that has affected everybody for the past 18 months and seems not to be going away, the coronavirus or COVID-19. We will explore the non-medical solutions that people with brain injury may use to maximize the quality of life during this pandemic also we will advocate strategies of the brain injured to deal with covid-19 finally we will attempt to understand the unique concerns of the brain injured community with regard to covid-19 virus As always, our program depends upon the assistance of you, our wonderful audience, and also the following members of our distinguished panel from Voices for the Advancement of Brain Injury. Our first panel member, ladies and gentlemen, is Judy Weinberger. Judy?
3: Hi, everybody. Um, As Mike said, my name is Judy Weinberger. Just a little intro about myself. Um, I am the mother and caregiver of a 34-year-old son um, named Gregory, who had an acquired brain injury when he was an infant, and he lives at home with us. Actually, he attends a day program during the day, but is home today because he wasn't feeling well. So of course, we had to get him a COVID test. So are now waiting the results of that to see when he can go back to program. I also have worked in the brain injury field for the past 35 years as a case manager, both at Kessler Institute in West Orange and for the Brain Injury Alliance. I worked there for about 15 years. Um, I retired three years ago, and since that time, I continue to facilitate the support group that is run at Kessler once a month. Um, We are now meeting by Zoom, so a plug for the support group, if anyone wants to join us, just get in touch with the Alliance and they can give you my phone number. Um, And at the beginning of this year, the Alliance asked me to work on a five-month COVID project where we were providing information and resources about COVID to the brain injury community, which is how I got in touch with Voices and this
2: wonderful group here. And
3: Mike asked me to join us
2: today. Our second panel member is Tara Buggy. Tara?
4: Thank you, Mike. Uh, Always a pleasure, this terrific group. I am a brain injury survivor. I sustained severe traumatic brain injury in 1997. My senior year of college, I was home for spring break and I was attending another uh, traumatic brain injury benefit, traumatic brain injury survivor benefit on the way home, very ironically sustained traumatic brain injury of my own. Uh, A year and a half later, I, after receiving treatment at both University Hospital for Acute Care and Kessler East uh, for inpatient and outpatient rehabilitation, a year and a half later, I went on to the law school program I was accepted to while I was in a coma. And uh, while I graduated in three years, eventually passed the bar and even practiced for a short time, I continue to live with the very enigmatic symptoms of brain injury that we all um, lovingly call the silent condition. Uh, And now I am lucky enough to work with voices, very important platform to bring survivors' voices to improvement of treatment um, and awareness. Um, In January, I think last January, when uh, the vaccines were on the right, were uh, becoming available, and brain injured survivors, brain injury survivors, weren't on the list of um, privileged or at the front of the line for um, a vaccine. I contacted the National Brain Injury Alliance, and they directed me to Tom, our advocacy director at the Brain Injury Alliance in New Jersey, who then. Uh, connected me to Judy and I helped Judy with her work, her five month work, grant work, to bring uh, awareness and information, did research and writing for her and became involved in Mike and the Mic and I'm very, feel very privileged to do it. So thanks so much, Mike.
2: Thank you so much, Tara. Our final panel member is Rich Sumkevich. Rich.
5: Thank you everyone. Um... I'm um, Rich Amkevich, Uh worked as a chiropractor for about 18 or 19 years, uh, then I had a brain mass, that was uh, about 11 and a half years ago, um, it recurred a year later, and several surgeries, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, cognitive therapy, a bunch of therapies I guess. Um, I'm here now living with the effects of uh, brain injury. Uh, I'm presently in a support group and a member of uh, Voices advocating the brain injury community. Um, I exercise at the YMCA a few days a week and I used to volunteer at the local library, but with COVID, well, things are off for now. That's it, thank you.
2: Thank you, Rich. Thank you so much. And to my panel, I wish you all the best. Take care of yourselves. Uh, The one thing that I want to point out is that we cannot get along unless we have questions from our audience. So uh, I will ask the first one, but I hope that's not much more. Uh, Let's see, the first question I have, uh, I'll ask Judy. Judy, for the brain injured have there been any benefits from living with COVID-19 experience? Glad you're starting, Mike,
3: with the positives, because I think we can all agree it's been an awful 18, 19 months now. And I think there have been a number of benefits that the brain injury community can look towards, hopefully to continue past COVID. And I think a lot of them have to do with technology. First being exactly what we're doing today, being on Zoom. Um, We now have the ability to see in person, friends and family from across the country or across the world really. We can join in um, exercise classes through Zoom. We can attend conferences, we can take classes all without leaving our house. And I think that's a really good thing for the brain injury community who often doesn't have a lot of energy to do all the things that they want to do. um, So being able to do Zoom, I think has been a real privilege to everyone. The other thing is through technology, we now don't have to go to stores. We can Mm -hmm. order our groceries online, We can order takeout food to be delivered to our house. I think we all know about Amazon and most have used that prior to COVID, but now this whole world has opened up that we really don't have to leave our house in order to get what we need. I think that's a real benefit because why spend energy doing something that you don't really need to spend all that energy doing? Um, Just Spending time making a shopping list and then ordering online and then have it delivered either that day or the next day is great. The other thing, I think probably the most tremendous thing that technology has done has allowed people to work from home. Um, You know, whether having a brain injury or not, that has been a real plus for the brain injury community. Um, One of the members of our support group who had not been able to work successfully for 10 years since her brain injury was able to get a virtual job. And it's very successful now, because she doesn't have to spend time really getting dressed in the morning, getting to and from work. Um, She's just able to turn on her computer and start working. And that's been a real plus for her, as I'm sure a lot of other people with brain injury. I'm sure Tara and Rich have other ideas also about the benefits
2: of COVID. Tara, what do you you got to say on this? Uh,
4: Mike, I do. I've I've um, with all the writing and research that I've done, even before the work that I did for Judy, <clears throat> um, and even from soon after my my own injury, I became involved with, in a really. Um, unofficial counseling capacity, uh, bringing understanding to not to outsiders, if you will, um, families who have brain injured, loved ones to help them understand the experience, um, the experience of living with, living through a traumatic brain injury recovery, but also living with the the symptoms or impairments of the condition is something that authors and scientists, experts agree, is something only a survivor or a patient can know. And we, with COVID, we have an unusual, I'll say fortunate um, commonality with long COVID survivors who shared a lot of the symptoms that uh, people with brain injury, have even lo- many years after a brain their brain injury, have memory impairment, um, anxiety, or sleeping, or or even fatigue. Brain um, fog is considered. I think the latest definition is um, trouble thinking. And um, you know, from the beginning before even neurological, neurological impairment was really recognized as a consequence of the, of COVID people with brain injury were online on their blog saying, yeah, this is what it is. This is what it's like. And so something that's good, that's come from COVID because they're finding largely that long COVID is treatable with brain injury treatment and also not a chronic in a lot of cases that long COVID uh, patients are getting a snapshot. I'll say a snapshot because it's not lifelong of oftentimes of the experience of brain injury. So letting an outsider know what it's like to live the silent enigmatic silent condition is priceless. I won't say they're lucky, but, it, but for us, we are, um, we're really, that's, that is awareness and uh, would promote tr- um, research and treatment advances and um, donations. And so uh, I think we stand to have, we as a community stand to have at least
2: understanding. Thank you so much. Rich, you have a comment.
5: Uh, I do, actually. Um, I think what Tara said, uh, not, not Tara, I'm sorry, Judy said about technology being a, a good a boom to help us with the COVID. It turned out to be kind of a, what do you call it, a silver lining to this cloud. Um, it's really good. We use just now, like the Zoom thing we're using right now. Uh, and yeah, there are certain Aspects that need to be, uh, maybe you need different software to do certain things, like uh, music collaborators. But I think we've all become a little more technically savvy uh, to be able to have a meeting like this. Um, something that in the past, I think uh, people weren't as technically savvy. Um, also, on a personal note, um, I, I use a meal company that delivers the ingredients to meals, so I've learned to cook a little better. Um, I wasn't a great cook. I'm still not a great cook, but I'm better than I was. You're um, And uh, those get delivered to your door. And that's a, you know, that helps me with the COVID. Also, it would be nothing I would think about making in the past. Um, And now they give you the directions and the ingredients, and that helps quite a bit. So I've learned my cooking skills have been honed just a little bit also.
2: (laughs) Well, that's good. I might have you over here to help me a little bit. Anyway, uh, thank you so much. Uh, Now, we've heard from our panel. Are there any people from our audience, which I understand is is starting to build a little bit, who would like to express their comments on any of the benefits that have been received from COVID-19? I guess nobody wants to say anything.
1: Mike, we actually had a comment um, as we were starting this discussion from Sandra. Uh, Sandra had said she recalled Bill Gates saying
4: something similar many years ago about never having to leave our homes for anything. That was her comment. So I just wanted to let um, uh, everybody
2: on the call know that Sandra had said that. Okay, that's good. (laughs)
3: With COVID, we've all had to spend more time than ever with our family and with our children, um, our husbands, our wives, um, sometimes extended families that have come and lived with us during this time. And it can be stressful. It can be stressful for everyone, whether the caregiver or the survivor. There is an added level of stress figuring out how to be together 24-7. Yep. So I would agree with Rich that it can be very stressful. Um, I think the statistics show that there have been more divorces during COVID than the previous year. Rich
5: Z? Um I agree also. It's a little more stressful. on uh, my house, too. the same thing as Rich was saying before about uh, him and his wife have more time together than they've had in the past when she was commuting um the same thing with my wife she works from home and we have more time together now too uh but the a good a good thing again from the covid is we've learned to have a little more patience with each other um we try anyway. We, we definitely have moments when you don't have patience with each other. But we try to have a little more patience with each other because we realize we're in each other's faces all the time. Um, so we just, you know, we try to go a little easier on each other because we realize that, you know, we're she's at home. I'm, I'm stuck at home. She's
2: stuck at home. Thank you so much. Um, go ahead, Tara.
4: Mike, you know I have something to say. Uh, something that I thought was really interesting and um, great to finally, well, I don't know, mind-body, mind-body and my body being your brain. Um, a lot of media or newspaper articles or research has been talking about the connection between Things like stress uh, and lack of sleep and chemically what happens to your body. Uh, the World Health Organization did a did a 2020 um, survey or uh, put something out. They put out a report that talked about um, pandemic living, causing changes, uh, isolation. It was one of the things uh, um the chemicals in your body change. And so for someone with say the precondition of diabetes, um, the stress would affect them in a certain way, but this, the stress of pandemic living affects someone with brain injury directly at our, what um, the Brain Injury Alliance or the Brain Injury, the BIA USA, um, the, the national organization called your weakest link, um, Mm-hmm. The secondary effect of living in sort of safe from COVID is for people with brain injury causing us harm um, because our brains are already impaired, and the chemical changes that occur as a result of living a pand- safe pandemic a safe pandemic life is. Um, causing let's see, major stressors uh, represent risk factors for the development and exacerbation or relapse of neurological disorders. Um, so our minds and our minds and brains and bodies are in fact all connected and interdependent. I thought it was very interesting.
3: Zoom is great but I hate to see it become a crutch that stops people from having that human interaction in person with each other because there's nothing like you know just getting together with a group of people sitting down over dinner and just having fun and you lose i think some of the spontaneity over zoom thank you yes tara You know,
4: something that I've learned through my work with voices, Sandra brought up and is that, and some of the reading I've done, transportation is major. It's a major issue for people with disabilities. And Zoom does solve that. I, the res- Last time when we spoke about this topic, uh, Judy and I were agreeing that there's something that you can't attain without the in-person experience between, uh, for, for treatment, or even in, in the specific case of people with brain injury, it could be cognitive impairment or something that an in-person or whatever, or a cue or inability to grab cues or whatever it was, that, that brain injury, you need the um, in-person, is what we agreed. And then I read uh, research from April that, and it may be a difference between a doctor and a patient, it could very well be, I guess, um, that the survey found overwhelming um, benefits from telemedicine, and transportation was one of the things and one of the problems that telemedicine solved. But also that the um, that things that tri- all different treatments were possible, and, may- and maybe from the time that we spoke, it had just gotten. People have just gotten better at it, um, but I, I think it. I think probably the hybrid is the answer, Siobhan. And um, maybe some patients can't get whatever they need in terms of treatment. Um, those patients, if they do have transportation issues, will be will be of a specific group that may not be as big as the group that exists pre Zoom. Um, but I, th- but I do think the very significant problem of transportation with people with disabilities is solved by Zoom. Um,
2: but I would add that. It is well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Rich, you got your, the floor.
5: Yeah, I, I agree with Siobhan also. I, I, I think a hybrid would be uh, a great option because there's a lot of, I forget who said it, but a lot of communication like over 50% is not verbal. Uh, and I think even though we can see each other with zoom, there's still a lot in person that we wish would be in person that we'd lose. Um, but it's a great option. Um, like Tara was saying, cuts down on the whole commuting or, uh, getting transportation issue, getting somewhere. Um, And uh, I think also uh, obviously with the COVID thing, it allows us to reach out to a lot of different people without being so physically next to anyone else and possibly contagious. But there is that face-to-face issue too. So, I mean, I, I think it's a good option that Uh, we have, but hybrid, I think, is the way to go.
2: That seems to be the way that everybody is leaning right now. Tara, how has COVID-19 impacted your ability to get food and prepared meals?
4: I am a mother and of a small child who is not vaccinated and of an older child who is vaccinated, and... um, need to feed both of them, um, uh, but can't bring germs home. Um, and when I'm, when I have one of them with me, can't bring them to a place like a supermarket. Um, so the food delivery options that COVID voiced upon us are a blessing for sure. Um, as Judy talked about earlier, um, it was a, it was a, I'll tell you, though, in the beginning, like um, everyone, it was hard to get meat or, or, you know, those kinds of things. So I- um,
2: Toilet paper?
4: Yes, toilet paper. My, my, so my daughter, my older daughter and I, or and my husband um, got involved in um, packing lunches at Thanksgiving. Um, food, food transportation food these basic necessities are things that people are are um, without and because of covid and um, so I do feel fortunate to be able to get food um, but also feel fortunate to be able to help provide food to others um, who don't aren't able to get it as easily um, I think um, You've got, a, you've got a plan dinner plan work planning requires organization Brain injury doesn't always allow for organization memory when your memory is taxed because of stress and that kind of thing on top of your already possible impairment, um, uh, possible memory impairment. It's, you know, uh, we talked about stress earlier, but cer- certainly able to get food, uh, the ease of getting food, certainly easier than f- for many. Um, But uh, COVID certainly presented challenges to this brain, this impaired uh, brain. And um, I'm thankful for the community that I have around me to uh,
2: help insulate me or help me. Thank you so much, Tara. Any comments from our audience? On food and prepared meals. Nothing there, huh? Well, hopefully everybody is eating well and uh, hopefully that not only COVID-19, but hopefully brain injury does not affect your ability to get food and that's what's important. Uh, listen, I will ask one more question, and I think the audience will pick up on this. I'll ask this of Rich. Rich, how have your medical services been impacted by the COVID-19?
5: Um, again, like a hybrid, is, as Siobhan was talking about earlier, some medical services you can do through, through, like, let's say Zoom, and some medical services, you have to be there in person. Uh, A few months ago, I had a surgery, and I obviously had to be there in person. At first, my doctor even had... um, She did an online uh look at me we had a conversation but as she said just before the surgery i also want to have a physical look at you you know come and see her so i agreed um so that it does alter things it's another layer of uh how do you say complications uh how to properly protect yourself how to properly protect others, but um, sometimes you have to go that route. So basically, the answer to your question, there are some services like, uh, let's say counseling services that you are able a little better to communicate through technology and some things you definitely have to go and be there in person and just do your best to protect yourself.
2: Okay, thanks, Rich. Are there any uh, comments? Medical services, I would think that Judy has something right on the top of her uh, area right there about medical services and COVID-19.
3: Um. Well, kind of going back to the technology, because I think everything at this point goes back to technology. Um, Like Rich, I had my annual physical where I went in to actually see the doctor because it couldn't be done over Zoom. And I was surprised that when I got there, they sat me in a room with a computer. And the the three quarters of the session was done over Zoom. So I was in her office and she was in another room looking at the computer, looking at me. And I'm thinking, well, why did I drive here if I'm still doing it virtually? And then for the last five minutes, she came in to actually do the, you know, listening to my heart and some of the other things she couldn't do by asking questions. And I didn't feel really comfortable with that. I wanted to, be in person with my doctor. I, you know, I've gone to her for years. She knows me well. I wanted to see her. I wanted to sit down and have a conversation with her that I didn't feel
2: was the same. Doing... At least you see the look in her face when you said something. <laughs> right. But I didn't
3: feel comfortable saying, hey, can you come in so we can talk in person? Because obviously they had set up these procedures. Maybe I should have said something like I would have preferred to have actually done this in person. Um, And maybe I needed to be a little bit more, uh, initiate a little bit more to express what I needed. But my other thought is um, since I used to work at Kessler and know how difficult it is sometimes for people to get to their therapy appointments, like the outpatient PTOT speech and con on time especially if you're using access link um, or that access link never shows up and you've missed your session, the ability to be able to now do any of the therapies virtually is a tremendous gain so that you didn't miss that therapy session. So I think that hybrid method that we were talking about before, if that will continue, that is exceptional.
4: I wanted to get back to this earlier, um, but we went a different way with the conversation. I think something that's so important and needs to be, we need to figure out how to address it. If we haven't already, I think we may have come come close, um, is getting treatment for COVID, for getting treatment for your brain injury if you've had COVID, I remember a long time ago in our, in our voices, you know, just weekly or monthly meeting, Rich brought up the topic of, well, what if they just say that that's just your brain injury? And I think Tom referred to something like that earlier. And the list that Judy mentioned having on the website of, um, of brain injury rehabilitation, centers hospitals that have COVID units is probably pretty important to go to somebody who is versed in both or versed in versed in brain injury and by virtue of that have some background to start with at zero um for COVID. I have I know many people who go to their PC their primary care doctor uh for Treatment of their COVID condition, and um, like, uh, and they say, "Oh, you know, it'll go away. Or, oh, don't worry about it." Or all oh, sort of what we're saying earlier about people that aren't versed in neuro- neurological um, nuances. And I think it's a, I think that's we were talking about it months ago. But I do think it's very important, uh, a very important issue that faces our community as more and more people get the condition, get uh, the virus, and and we've got two massive populations smashing against each other, right. And creating a third, um, brain injury, traumatic brain injury was a global epidemic in 2020, the beginning of 2020. Oh yeah. So a year earlier and then we layer on top COVID and then you smash them together. Um, it's a real mess. And I think the resources that the Alliance directs people to is, uh, is vital I think for at least for brain injury treatment months ago we talked about uh, transportation in our voices group and some solutions for transportation and I discovered that Uber was donating it was right when vaccines came out Uber was donating rides free rides to uh, get vaccinated I wonder if we couldn't lobby also to get the internet providers to to offer reduced rates or, or some kind of special rate for, for, you know, medical, medical internet connections, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's, I think that is, you know, in the spirit of togetherness in the world. Right. Uh, And Mm
2: cooperation, which we're not getting a lot of right now.
5: The Branding Tree Alliance of New Jersey um,
3: have now a number of Zoom support groups. Um, Some of them they're sponsoring, and some of the existing support groups have gone to Zoom rather than meeting in person. So if you call the um, alliance and just ask for information about support groups, they can give you a whole list of different support groups that you can join virtually. It's also on their website. If you go to bianj.org, there are general support groups. Everyone's welcome. It's typically both people with brain injury and survivors, um, survivors and caregivers that can join these support groups. And I think everyone learns from each other. It really doesn't matter if you have a mild brain injury or a more severe brain injury, everyone's there to support, encourage, and learn from each other.
2: Uh, I was going to ask if any of the panel members want to just give their thoughts about COVID-19 and brain injury. I can start with you, uh, Rich.
5: You have to be your own best advocate. Uh, you really have to pay attention to what is happening to you medically or not. Um, you also have to learn to trust people that are professionals in what they do. And you have to use your judgment to balance what you think is right, what they think is right. And that's the crux of where stuff comes to that balance saying, this is good. This is bad. So that, well, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at, basically.
2: I understand. Um, go ahead, Tara.
4: Mike, when you and I sustained our traumatic brain injuries in the 90s, the 90s were considered the decade of the, called the decade of the brain. It was significant. There was a significant advancement made in neuroscience and then came the early aughts was uh, the age of neuro, age of neuroscience, I think is what they called it. Um, I think COVID and brain injury in the year 20, 20 years after that is the next the third chapter, if you will, uh, we're, we're about we're continuing to learn and we um, say I keep saying we and I'm not a scientist. Um, but i but i do believe that survivors have a strong role to play in advancement of treat in treatment advancements and um, the voices not not the panel but the voice of the brain injured survivor in representing the experience of brain injury and living with brain injury um, living with impairments that no one can see it, it's vital it's vital and Covid has, has made that all the more clear. I think now that people who didn't have not who aren't the veterans that we are, um, and who aren't the um, aren't the heroes that say Thomas is having survived both or living with both, um, are learning. So, so maybe we just say long COVID patients are learning what it's like, and um, they're getting a snapshot because they can be treated we are also treatable um, and our, the treatments are gonna get better by virtue of the learning that we're doing through the world's continued uh, education of neuroscience. Um, the brain is going to return full, full blast as we learn more and more, I believe, uh, how, how much of a role neurology plays in the experience of COVID-19. I think the silent masses or the, or the, the, you know, the global epidemic of brain injury, traumatic brain injury um, has a lot to teach. And we are with Gina Marie and with Sandra and Della's, you know, team membership, we're in it together. And I think the the latest saying in the world is, we we will thrive together maybe, um, and we'll get through this and we will learn.
2: Thanks so much. Judy? uh...
3: I think um, piggybacking off of what Tara just said, the word resilience comes to mind. And something that I hear over and over from people who have experienced brain injury is that by virtue of having a brain injury, you develop resilience. You learn how to get by in this world because you have to. And I think caregivers are in the same boat and have developed resilience. And that has served us well in dealing with the pandemic because we already had that inner strength of how to survive on our own. And that is what we needed to do to get through these last 18 and 19 months. So I think in one respect, people with brain injury and caregivers have had it a little bit easier than the general community who perhaps have had a pretty easy life. And, didn't need to deal with all of these issues that we've just been discussing for the last hour or so. So I I think we should all be proud of that ability to have resilience and to use that strength to move forward because we don't know what the future is really gonna be. We don't know when this pandemic is going to come to a close, if it's going to actually end, or if the world's gonna look a little bit different in six months to a year from now. We just don't know, but we can use our strength that we already have to get through this next period of
2: time. Offside, Dr. Thanks so much, thanks. Listen, before I close out, I wanted to just switch back over to Tom Grady because I know he wanted to, to have a couple of announcements uh, as far as uh, joining uh, Chick, uh, joining uh, the uh, th- sorry, the voices for the advancement of the brain injury community. Tom?
6: Uh, thank you, Mike. I, I uh, think I touched on this earlier, but I think if anybody's interested in in joining voices, and if I understand correctly, you have the email addresses of, of people, and anybody who's interested should reach out to you first, and then me. Is that an accurate statement?
1: Correct. You sure can reach out. They okay. can reach out to me since they have my email address, or
4: through the Brain Injury Alliance um, website. I think it was put in the chat. There's lots of ways to um, to get through. So,
6: okay. Well, if if you want to go the if anybody here wants to go to the Alliance. Route, it's probably most straightforward to email me directly. And my email address is T-G-R-A-D-Y at bian And I'll, I'll write that down, the chat, um, after I speak. But I think, just to reiterate, the value of being involved with voices is really twofold. One, gives people a platform to bring to the table issues they think need to be addressed or things that need to be improved for the benefit of people with brain injury. And on the flip side, I send out information, particularly through our Facebook page, about events and information that could be helpful to you as a person with brain injury. Again, it doesn't really cost anything, it doesn't cost anything at all. And I try not to inundate too many people with too many emails, but typically I'll be sending out an email week before our meetings which typically occur at 10 o'clock on the first saturday of each month with the exception of october we're meeting on october 8th at, at 10 a.m so i strongly encourage everybody to uh, to join and be happy to have new faces
2: thanks mike thank you so much tom i also uh like to thank Jeannie and angela from Kessler, uh, we couldn't have done this without you and you guys were an enormous help. I thank you so much and um, I also want to thank my panel. I got to tell you that Judy, Tara and Rich, uh, we just we just, uh, we did something today that was a little bit longer than usual but we got through it and I also want to thank my audience because we couldn't have done it without you guys. So um, thank you so much for attending Mike at the Mike. Whenever you see Mike at the Mike again, hopefully you have an idea that, uh, that it's us. And uh, we're just going to talk about something related to brain injury. And that's what's the important part you got to relate things to brain injury and uh, make sure that when you leave this meeting that the main thing on your mind is brain injury because we can't get by without people supporting us.
0: Interested in joining a study? Go to KesslerFoundation.org forward slash join. This Northern New Jersey Traumatic Brain Injury Speaker Series was supported by a grant from the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research, grant number 90DPTB0003. Interested in joining a study? Go to KesslerFoundation.org forward slash join. For more information about Mr. Greenwald, the Northern New Jersey Traumatic Brain Injury System research at Kessler Foundation and Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation. Links are in the program notes. This podcast was recorded on September 28, 2021 remotely and was edited and produced by me, Joan Banks-Smith, creative producer for Kessler Foundation. Tuned into our podcast series lately? Join our listeners in 90 countries who enjoy learning about the work of Kessler Foundation. Be sure and subscribe to our SoundCloud channel, Kessler Foundation, for more research updates. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts.